Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. A classic hymn of the Christian faith, written by one of the giants in ages past, asks this question, And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Well, a resounding yes should be our instantaneous reply. That is, if we have realized all that God has promised and even guaranteed to us. We gladly present this binding guarantee from the pages of the book of Isaiah on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Ron Kangas is with us again today as we look at God's covenant with his people. Ron, welcome back to the program. It's good to be back. I'm looking forward to our fellowship. Ron, as we alluded to in the opening, we're going to see something today that is couched in almost legal language. In today's usage, a covenant is usually spoken of as a binding legal contract. And for us as believers, it's helpful that we understand that a covenant includes this legal aspect, isn't it? This is of the greatest importance When the Lord Jesus was meeting with his disciples, keeping the Passover, and then establishing the Lord's table, he spoke of, this is the new covenant of my blood. So he was forming a covenant grounded in his own redemptive blood. And that covenant, upon his death, and in his resurrection, would become what we call a will. It would become the New Testament filled with bequests. And these bequests include a wonderful reality of our inheritance of the triune God in Christ with all of his riches. And we're going to, in this program, consider a wonderful revelation from Isaiah concerning a covenant. Yes, the covenant is a legal contract that is binding according to justice. But what we will need to see is this amazing fact that actually the covenant is Christ himself. Ron, we're especially interested in a passage in Isaiah 42 today. It's a wonderful word. Verse 6 says, I am Jehovah. I have called you in righteousness. I have held you by the hand. I have kept you. And I have given you as a covenant for the people, as a light for the nations. 
a marvelous verse, Ron, pointing to the Lord Jesus. He is a covenant and a light to us. Here's Witness Lee. Christ is the very covenant given to us by God. He is not only the covenant, but also the light. We are fully qualified to inherit Jesus Christ as the covenant and to enjoy him as the light. The covenant is a matter of righteousness according to the law. Every covenant is something legal. It had to be made according to the law. And this is a matter of righteousness. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The justification, the forgiveness, the salvation, God renders to us all have been covenanted. In Matthew 26, the Lord Jesus enacted a new covenant, saying this covenant, the new covenant, is just my blood. And my blood just signifies my death. I died for your sins. I died for transgressions. So the blood is the very means by which I made for you the New Testament with my Father. Could you say that today your salvation is a covenanted salvation? Here, Isaiah says twice in two chapters, 42-49, that God has given Christ as our covenant. That means God's salvation. God's blessing, all kinds of God riches, all have been covenanted to us. And this covenant is just Christ. My title deeds in my pocket equals my house. Could you realize that Christ equals all God's salvation, blessing, grace, reality, and riches, all this. All this has been covenanted to us. Now, who is the covenant? Is a piece of paper? No. Is some kind of title lock in your safe? No. no. Who is the covenant? Christ. Where is Christ? In your pocket? No. Where? Very good. God's salvation, God righteousness, God justification, God forgiveness, God redemption, God riches. All He has, all He will do. All have been covenanted. Ron, Isaiah clearly tells us that Jehovah, God the Father, called Christ as a covenant for us. Covenant, as we mentioned, is a legal term. Develop this thought for us that Christ is our covenant and our title deed. So we have covenant, and then we have title deed. Uh, They are distinct, but they are inseparable. So the covenant is a transaction in which God commits himself and binds himself in Christ and through Christ to be certain things for us, to do certain things for us. And yes, mentally, we can list the things, we can list the bequests, but in spiritual reality, all these bequests like the covenant itself, 
is really Christ as a person. Without Christ the person, the covenant would be meaningless. There's no one to fulfill it. There's no one who is the content of it. And with this covenant, there is a title deed. This is a legal document which proves that we are the rightful owner or recipient of something promised to us. And actually, Christ as our title deed is related to what the Bible calls our inheritance. When a person writes a will and decides to include certain dear ones in his will, those are the bequests. Then the will itself is a legal document that entitles the recipient to receive what is contained in that will. So that is equal to the title deed. So the covenant is Christ himself, and Christ himself really is the assurance and reality of the title deed. And the title deed is related to our inheritance as matured sons of God who will inherit God in Christ with Christ's unsearchable riches for our eternal experience and enjoyment. Ron, I appreciate that you mentioned this word inheritance. How wonderful it is that our inheritance is secured by a covenant, isn't it? Yes, it's secured by a covenant. And I wish to emphasize, because this thought is divine and it's not in the realm of human reasoning, the covenant in its reality is Christ himself. He is the assurance. And because we have this assurance to our inheritance, then we may be at peace toward God. We can have an unshakable assurance that God himself in Christ is committed He has bound himself by his righteousness to be and to do all that's included in our inheritance, which inheritance is transmitted to us through the covenant. This is a marvelous vision. It assures us an eternal future filled with unending enjoyment of the content of our inheritance. Ron, that is so encouraging. Let's go back to Witness Lee as we're going to stay on this topic in our next portion. Jesus Christ became a covenant to us. This covenant, which is Christ, is a guarantee. It guarantees that God himself is our inheritance. My, too great. Ephesians 1.14 The Spirit is the pledge of God being our inheritance. And the Spirit sealing is to seal us as God's inheritance. 
the Spirit put himself as a seal to indicate that we belong to God. God inherited us. After sealing, the Spirit is the pledge to guarantee us that we have the right to inherit God as our inheritance. We are God's inheritance. We have been redeemed into Christ as the element with which sinners have been made something excellent as a treasure to be God's inheritance. But God himself as our inheritance, oh, this is too rich. This is too rich. And his divine attributes all become the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is God as our inheritance. For this, Christ is the surety, and the Spirit is the pledge. Okay, for us, the sinners who have offended God to the uttermost, legally speaking, could we inherit anything of God? Impossible. But Christ fulfills all the requirements of God's righteousness. So, legally speaking, we are qualified. We do have a righteous standing, a legal standing, to inherit all things of God. And these all things are just God himself. God is life. God is love. God is righteousness. God is holiness. God is power. God is strength. God is might. God's everything. We inherit Him with everything as our inheritance. Ron, this covenant is a binding guarantee, a binding contract that we have an irrevocable inheritance. And our inheritance is just God Himself as the unsearchable riches of Christ. But in this covenant, God also has an inheritance. We inherit him, but he inherits us. Ron, how could we, the poor sinners, be legally entitled to such an inheritance? And also, how could we, the poor sinners, ever become a worthy inheritance for him? Well, let's look at this uh, carefully and attempt to be as exact as we can. As fallen sinners... We have nothing to offer to God. There's nothing in us, nothing related to us, that he can inherit. But in Ephesians chapter 1, we read not only that we have an inheritance, God in Christ, but we are also his inheritance. Then how is this possible? Well, as we experience and enjoy God in Christ with the unsearchable riches of Christ as our inheritance, these riches are constituted into our being and become a treasure in us. Paul speaks of treasure in earthen vessels. So we have something exceedingly precious within us which is the triune God himself in Christ as the Spirit, 
wrought into our being. This is God's inheritance. And because this treasure is in us and is one with us and mingled with us and inseparable from us, then we are his inheritance in this sense. It is the wealth of God's being dispensed into us and constituted into us that makes us his inheritance in Christ, with Christ, and through Christ. Wow. Ron, what a realization that all of the attributes of God, his life, his love, his power, strength, and might, all become ours in Christ as our inheritance. It's just too, too great. Well, let's go back to Witness Lee for our final segment now. Such a covenant is the light of the nations. This light must be the light of life, the true light to say over the world, to 11 men for regeneration. This is proved by 1 Peter 1.23, the divine marvelous light. Christ as the covenant. This is for us to inherit God. And Christ as the light. This is for us to receive God's life that we may be germinated freshly. One is for inheritance, the other is for life. The covenant is for inheritance, and the light is for life. And Christ is both. So when we receive Christ right away, we have the surety of inheritance. When we receive Christ, we have the life for our new germination. Now, on the one hand, Outwardly, we have the inheritance. On the other hand, inwardly, we have the germinating life. So we have both inheritance and life. For his chosen people to receive Christ as such a covenant and as such a light, God opened the eyes of the blind that they may see the divine spiritual things concerning God's eternal economy. Something in the spiritual field, which you cannot touch by your hand, and which you could not see by your physical eyes, neither you can taste by your physical mouth. But you need the spiritual eye to see all these divine and spiritual things concerning God's eternal economy. I like Charles Wesley. He started very good. And can it be? He was questioning himself. When I think I change it, yes, I can be. Amen. And can it be? I say, yes, I can be. In that hymn, he says, he was in the dungeon, in darkness. And one day, the ray of the light shined over him. Then he got saved. Amen. Came out of that prison house, that they may be released from the dark kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Ron, I also love Charles Wesley's great hymn that he referred to just now and that we opened the program with. While the hymn does not specifically use this term covenant, it unmistakably embodies the reality of both of these great matters, covenanted inheritance and 
Light for Life. Ron, I know we both love these great old hymns that, like this one, not only inspire us as we sing and enjoy them, but that also convey the rich, abiding truths of the Scripture. They retain a freshness for all generations of believers, don't they? Yes, because such hymns have their source in the divine truth revealed in the Scriptures. In this wonderful hymn by Charles Wesley, we realize we have an interest in the Savior's blood. This involves redemption based upon the shed blood of Christ, our Savior who died for us to fulfill God's righteous requirements. So this is a matter of righteousness, which leads to our being justified by grace through faith. And Christ is our righteousness before God. And then the reference to a light shining on the prisoner and releasing the prisoner. This corresponds to so many verses that speak of Christ being the light of life. He himself said, I am the light of the world. He is the true light. He shines in the darkness. And this light brings in life. The more the light shines, the more life is imparted. So here we have a summary of the basic elements of God's complete salvation. We have Christ as our righteousness for our objective justification. And we have Christ as our life so that we can be born of God. Then according to Romans 5.10, be saved in his life until according to Romans 5.17 and 21, we reign in life and are mature in life. Wesley, in writing this hymn, surely had a basic grasp of righteousness and life as crucial elements of the gospel. Christ is our righteousness for our justification. Christ is our life. He is the covenant. He is the light. How wonderful he is. Ron, we have just a moment or two left. Do you have a final thought you'd like to leave us with today? I'd like to just strengthen the previous fellowship concerning the covenant being related to righteousness and light being related to life. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says that the gospel of God is the power of God unto salvation. Then he explains why this is so. It is because the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Yes, the Lord saves us because of love. But actually, God is not required by his own innate being to love a certain sinner or to have grace upon a certain sinner. But he must be righteous. Psalm 89.14 tells us righteousness is the foundation of God's throne. When Christ died on the cross for our sins, he fulfilled the righteous requirements of God. 
because Christ died in our place, paying our debt, the righteous God cannot require the payment from us. Rather, he is bound by his righteousness to forgive us when we declare we believe in the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, we believe in his redemptive death and life-imparting resurrection, we believe he died for our sins, we believe God raised him from the dead for our justification, as Romans 4 says, then God is bound to forgive us because he is bound by his righteousness. Then we know from Romans chapter 5, verse 18, that justification is not an end in itself. Paul speaks of justification unto life. And Paul was a pattern of how this life was experienced initially. He saw a light brighter than the sun. This light was the resurrected and ascended Christ shining on him. Whenever God shines, that shining brings in life. So how marvel it is that based upon these verses from Isaiah, we have Christ as our covenant related to righteousness. We have Christ as our light related to life. These are the contents of the gospel. We have been justified by grace through faith. This is righteousness. The light of life has shined in us to impart the divine life into us. We have been born of this life to be children of God, eventually to be heirs of God. What a wonderful salvation from our gracious, loving, righteous God. Well, as we've been seeing, Ron, program after program, the book of Isaiah brings us aspects and windows into the truths and the realities of God's economy that perhaps no other book in the Bible accomplishes so well or so completely. But I really appreciate how this ministry keeps bringing us back to the matter that Christ, the living person, is the reality of this covenant and of everything we inherit. As always, Ron, thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you back very soon. And I do the same. Thank you. That's all the time we have today. Once again, our toll-free number, if you'd like to reach us, is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. 
Thanks for listening today.